That's not going to be out of my shirt, that's for sure. Okay. There we go. Okay, well, um... Davey, this doesn't like me. Hey, will I need to, uh, will I need to use a microphone? Oh, no. Nah. I don't, I don't want to use a microphone, and so I probably just won't. Um, okay, so... A few things to know about Phil, okay? Uh, I am nervous tonight to be in front of you guys, okay? Uh, if you know me, you're going, yeah, right, come on. Like 10 minutes in, I'll stop being nervous. But right now, I'm nervous. Um, number two, uh, I planned absolutely nothing. Uh, and that's actually not a joke. Like, I just literally didn't. I woke up this morning and said, Lord, what do you want to say to my friends at Corvallis? He said, well, why don't you ask me? I said, okay, so what do I say? Uh, what do I talk about? He said, me. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, jeez. <laughs> What do I say to them? What do, you want me to, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, I want you to get up, and I want you to ask me in front of them, and then I want you to just start talking. So, <laughs> whoops, if you came tonight, might have been a mistake. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to do something to get my nerves out, uh, because in Young Life, so I've been on Young Life staff for 10 years. Um, I run Portland West Young Life, uh, which is like... 30 schools and like 25,000 kids, and it's freaking psycho. Uh, but I, I like that you guys are already giving me the benefit of the doubt and doing like the under the breath chuckle. Uh, so, what I'm gonna do is usually in a young life talk, we get up and we're like, How many of you guys have pooped your pants? Right? You do something funny. Thank you. <laughs> Only guy in a suit, I'm just saying. Uh, so we, we do things, we do things to kind of break the ice in Young Life Talks, and I'm really passionate about one thing, okay, and that's Jesus. Um, I'm going to tell you about one of the biggest disappointments in my life tonight, uh, but before I do that, um, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord what he wants me to say to you, uh, and then I'm going to, uh, rap for you to get my nerves out. And, uh, and then we don't have to go through the stupid, like, break the ice, I'm the polar bear, okay? Like, okay, I'm just gonna, like, I'm just gonna get uncomfortable, and then we're gonna dive into Jesus. That sound good? Fantastic. Okay. Hey, listen, if you don't close your eyes and you pray, scriptures don't say to. If you don't get on your knees when you pray, the scriptures don't say to. If you don't pray... Scriptures say to, okay? So um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to someone called the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus living inside of me, okay? So, okay, Holy Spirit, here we are uh, with 140 friends in a room in Corvallis, Oregon. I pray, Jesus, that you would be faithful to your promise to me this morning to speak. And I'm not praying, even if just one kid leaves different, I'm praying that we all leave different, myself included. Molly, Amy, Connor, my wife, Josh, who drove up from Portland. We, we all want to be different, but we don't want another sermon, another lecture, another stupid expectation that we're just going to fail. Jesus, there you are. I just want you tonight for my friends and for myself. 
I love you. I give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... Oh, it's so nice when that fan turns off. Okay, so I'm going to be honest. Um, this is written, okay? Uh, but this is, this is my way of breaking the ice, okay? Um, oh, this is ex- I wish I wouldn't have told you I was going to do this now. Okay, so you ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm animalistic when I share his code that he's encrypted. My flow makes you feel like a weight that has been lifted. You are gifted. These prayers in my head keep me up at night. I'm losing battles to myself. Nothing left to write with. Take flight and we're surrounded. We at College Young Life now. Apollo 13, we never grounded or confounded. The rap rabbit is back and now, I'm spitting all over his track. Yo, you silly rabbit. This rap is a habit, a rap fanatical rap rabbit. I'm acting like an addict who won't quit. You see, he's about to intercede. You can't play catch up with me. He gave me mustard seeds. What it means, I come from small places. The World Series left me with a hand of five aces dropping bombs. Jesus in the streets, they're laying palms. You see me on the throne, I'm like, David, I'm spitting psalms. Okay, it's over, it's over, it's over. Okay. All right. So... There is no way that I will feel more awkward than that tonight. <laughs> okay, so that's kind of, it's, it's hard to embarrass Phil uh, if you're my friend. I don't know why I have this open. Okay, listen, so, um, uh, okay, seven months ago. How many of you guys in this room have ever been, like, utterly, utterly let down in your life? Okay, okay. How many of you guys have ever been disappointed in your life? Okay, so you're like, I'm going to have, but I don't have the energy to, uh, so far. Uh, so when, it, when I was younger, raise your hand if you, uh, even for a moment, believed in Santa. Okay, a lot of us in this room believed in Santa. Okay, you have all been disappointed, you liars. Okay, when I was younger... I believed in Santa Claus so incredibly much that actually one, one morning, I ran out, I was in the kitchen, I don't have a good memory, I've had 10 concussions, I played college football, I'll tell you about that later, maybe, um, but if I remember, right? uh, so, so I run out to the kitchen, right, and I'm on this home video, and I'm like, I saw his foot! Right there! I saw it, and you guys, I did. I saw Santa Claus's foot. I mean, it was so freaking real. It was amazing. So it was so real that I built up this expectation in my life only to have it shattered, right? The moment I found out that Santa Claus was not real, it was instant. It was absolutely instant. And there was no one, no thing, nothing that could ever convinced me otherwise. That was one of the biggest letdowns in my life. Here's the other biggest letdown in my life. Okay, before we talk about, there we go. Okay, seven months ago, I met Jesus. Okay? Bill, you've been in vocational, full-time, professional ministry, over 30 schools and 20,000 kids. Whoa, I thought you'd be put together... Nah, nah. Okay, so all growing up, we were in a, a performance mentality, right? 
Um, how many of you guys know who Lou Engle is? Yeah? Okay, he's like this super pathetic dude, and when he speaks, he rocks like this. Like, even if he's at a podium, he's like this. So mine is like, I'm going to go back and forth a lot. I'm going to change the volume of my voice. Just get used to it, and don't worry about it. Um, if you get seasick, close your eyes, lay down. Uh, so, was I talking about? Okay, seven months ago, I didn't know Jesus. Okay, there we go. So, uh, I'm sitting in a field, right? And Young Life staff, there's a couple of Young Life staff in the room, but we get paid to love on kids and to train leaders to go into schools and love on kids with the ultimate goal to share, this is who Jesus Christ is. What do you think of him? It's pretty cool. It's been a good job. Now, for eight years, every month I'm paid to take what's called a day away with the Lord, where Young Life says, we're going to pay you today. Don't come into the office. Don't do any work. I said homework. Don't do any work. Don't do any email. Don't do anything. Just go be with Jesus. And it's one of the hardest things for Young Life staff to do, right? It's really, really hard. It's probably hard for some of you guys to be alone with Jesus, too. So I'm sitting in the middle of the field. This is great. My little box go home. I'm sitting in the middle of the field. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be amazing. Um, I like open the scriptures, and I'm like reading, and I'm like, no, this is not it. You know, you kind of get like the, the quiet time wiggles, and you're like, maybe I'll read my book, right? So I like, put the scriptures down, I pick up a book, I'm reading this book called The Practice of the Presence of God, it's about this guy, Brother Lawrence, and he was like, I don't want to do anything but dishes for the rest of my life, and that's how I'm going to find Jesus, and I was like, what? I hate dishes. <laughs> so... I read like 70 pages of this book, you guys, and I'm in the middle of the field like, Lord, what the hell? Where are you, dude? I'm like dead. I'm like, I'm serving in this ministry, and it's killing me. Where are you, G? Like, what the f- like, really, you guys, this is crazy. Like, I'll dip, I might get into this a little bit more, but you guys, like, I was not good. Like, not good. Your pastor, probably not good. Your young life leader, probably not good. You, probably, if you really get down to it, probably not good. Okay? I'm just the one without the mic, so I get to, I get to say it, okay? So I'm sitting in the middle of the field, and I'm going like, Lord, like, why won't you show up? So in the middle of my day, I go, screw this, I'm going to get a different book. It's the book's fault, right? So I drive to my office. <laughs> I walk upstairs, and I like, kind of like pull out a different book. I've got this library of books. I haven't read any of them, but Young Life wants me to read them right. So I pull out, <laughs> I pull out this book called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this, this book, yeah, it's all about like, what were Jesus' methods? What did he do? What was he like? Like, what was it like to be one of Jesus' boys? Like, one of his homies, like, walking around behind Jesus, getting dusty with all this crap, okay, that, that they went through. So I get back to the field. I'm learning about this Holy Spirit that I just prayed to, right? Some of you guys know him. Some of you guys are like, what? Is that the Holy Ghost my grandma talked about? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the middle of this field, and I go, maybe it's not about the book. So I close my eyes. I go, okay, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Simply put, I bind up the enemy. Not welcome here, dude. You suck. Okay? It's okay. And... Uh, and then I bind up myself, and I'm like, I just, I just really, like, I really, really, really need you. I'm at, like, almost the point of tears. I'm just, like, I'm dead. I'm burnt out. I don't want to be working for Young Life. I don't want to be doing ministry. I'm going, like, if this is following Jesus, then I don't really think I want it. I'm faking it in front of everyone. 
Everyone I know, including my wife. That's my wife. Hey, Gina. And, uh, and I just close my eyes, and I go, gosh, I just, like, I'm so at the end of my rope. If you've ever been there, it's just sucky. It just sucks. And I say, can you just, like, just say something to me, please? He says, John 14, 6. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Okay, like a scripture. Like, okay. So my, my friend John Mark, he, he's a pastor up in, in our area. And um, he, uh, he was talking about uh, this idea that when the Lord does speak to us, when the Holy Spirit does show up and speak, sometimes he'll give you a word, sometimes he'll give you a picture, sometimes he'll give you a dream, sometimes he'll give you a scripture. And a lot of the times it's not for you, it's for someone else. So I just go, okay, John 14, 6. I don't know it by heart at the time, right? So I'm like, I'm going to test this because I think I'm supposed to. So I open up John 14, 6, okay? And it says, it starts like in the middle of one of like the sections. So I'm like, oh man, it's not going to be good. It's going to be like, and it was like, get the jar of water and go to Samaria. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, so I read it, right? And I'm like, okay, Jesus said to him, oh, Jesus is in it, cool. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? You guys have heard it. You've heard it preached on. You've heard it taught on. Some of you guys go like, yeah, I know that one. I know seven. (laughs) Boom. Uh, So I'm like, okay, Lord, you're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. Like, I get it. I've heard it. Man, I really wanted something to be for me. What what can this be for me? You're supposed to, you're supposed to, I was on the cajon, man. You were supposed to talk to me. So he just says, keep reading. I went to John 12. Okay. He says, keep reading. Philip said to him, update, my name's Philip. (laughs) Philip said to him, I'm like, oh. (laughs) Philip is mentioned four times in the scriptures, okay? Philip said to him, Lord, just show us the Father. And it's enough for us. You know, in essence, I'm sitting here uh, and I'm going, Lord, I don't, I'm not okay. Like, I'm not doing good. I'm not good right now. I'm not okay with you. All the things that I tell kids that you are. Have you ever had something like that where you go, I'm like, why is not that true for me? Why? He's a man. He's forgiving. He's loving. He forgives you. He's so kind. He's gentle. He's caring. He, he's so compassionate. He comes to you in your worst moments. He, he actually speaks to you. He can pull you through the worst times of your life. And I'm going, well, then why aren't you doing it with me? God, just <clears throat> show me something. This light is great, by the way. Lord, just show me something. Be who I know you to be. In essence, it's this. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. Just show me who you are and it's enough for me. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you still do not know me, Philip? It was like this amazing moment, you guys, for me. It was like I'm in the middle of a field on my day away done all this stuff. It's been a hard day. It gives me this thing. And then he says, he says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to him except through me. We're going to talk a lot about me tonight, being Jesus, okay? 
And then I say, God, can you just show me who you are? Can you speak to me? Do you anything? And he says, have I been with you so long? I'm right here. And yet you still don't know me, Philip? And I go, oh, man, that's totally true. Didn't feel encouraged. Didn't feel built up. Still wasn't sure if this was from the Lord. So then I reached down into my book, and I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. That was for me. I'm like, yay, this is, you did speak, but it was hard, right? You ever had that with God? You're like, man, I'm kind of an a-hole, like, to my mom, or like, I kind of like really cheated bad on that test. This guy. Uh, so then I grabbed that book. Remember? I went to my office, randomly grabbed it. I go back to the field, and I sit down, and I open it. And on the first page, I flip to it, and it says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. In this book, in this amazing Way God just gave me the smallest glimpse of, I see you. And there are a lot of us in the room tonight that don't feel seen by God. We don't feel loved by God. So, I begin a relationship on that day with the Holy Spirit. Life gets hard though, right? Ministry hits again. It's just like nuts, right? I'm struggling with this. Um, I'm struggling with like, I quit drinking 11 months ago. Because I realized, ah, I'm not, I think I'm a little bit more attached to that than I probably should be. And the Lord was like, yo, dude, yeah, you are. You need to stop that. So I was like dealing with this, right? This is like, this is seven months ago, you guys. I'm just trying to be like, here you go. Um, and, uh, okay, so my friend Jim, Eenie, who, uh, he's my mentor, one of my best friends. He's a homie. He was a, a vice president of Young Life. And uh, now he, he's gone on to do another work. Um, but uh, I tell him about this. He says, yo, dude, you need to sit in John 14 for like, mm, I don't know, a week. Don't read anything outside of John 14. Now, I'm in this book every day. I mean, I love this book. This book has done a lot for me. Um, I love the book. He says, don't read John 14. And I'm like, okay. I do it, and I kind of like pull out nuggets. You know how it kind of like but things fade? in your time in scripture. Then a month later, I'm like getting pretty broken again, you guys. Like I'm like crying myself to sleep some nights. Like I'm just so like over it. I'm so overbared with this job, with my life. I have two sons. They're wonderful. Shepherd turned four yesterday and crew is one and a half. And I'm like, man, like being a dad is so hard and doing this job is so hard and like taking classes and being trained and being equipped. And, um, and, uh, so, so Jim goes, hey, uh, my friend Doug, my friend Doug's coming into town. I want you to come and hear his story. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I literally text him. I don't really feel like doing a weekend ministry thing. Okay? That's where I was at. I'm like, I don't do ministry on the weekends. Mm-mm, nope. He says, uh, here's something. Why don't you Google his name, and then I'll see you there. Okay? So I'm like, Whoa. Who's Doug? <laughs> so, I Google Doug's name, and I am, like, hooked. I'm like, yo, this guy is either all, like, everything good or everything bad. There's no in-between. There's no, like, I mean, he's like a, mm. Some people are like, he is crazy. And other people are like, this guy has been with Jesus. 
He changes our world on a daily basis. So I'm like, I'll go and listen. So I show up. I sit in the back. I kind of do my awkward ministry thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, the kids are good. Whatever, okay. So I sit down, and Doug begins to share. And he begins to share, you guys. And it is so freaking crazy. He doesn't share anything important. He doesn't share anything that I've never heard. He shares the one thing that cannot be taken from you, and it cannot be taken from you, and it cannot be taken from you. His story. I can say, I was broken in a field. And Corey can say, nuh-uh. I'm like, it's my story, bro. Step off. <laughs> you weren't there in the field, Corey. <laughs> so he tells his story. And he's like, listen, I like to pray. So I started praying with this guy. He became a big deal, so I followed him to pray. And now I've given my life to this man named Jesus. And he's changed everything. And so that's why tonight... I feel like the Lord just wants me to say a little bit about how to reveal who he is to me in the last seven months. That night, I was given something uh, that was just the most precious gift I'd ever been given. It was like I was given a bicycle. Okay, picture this. Um, I was given a bicycle, and I was like, whoa, this is a dope bike. It's red. Okay? <laughs> and I like, get on, and behind me is my Christian training. Okay? Dan, raise your hand. Hi, Dan. Dan is Phil as a baby. And, and, and here I am, here I am, 30 years old, 10 years into running ministry, two sons, happily married, I'm on a red bike. And he goes, he goes, hey, here's the gift, enjoy, bruh. So I start pedaling. You guys, this is the weirdest bike ever. I start pedaling. It's like I'm doing like the jerk, you know? I'm not going to try it because I'll mess it up. But I'm pedaling. It's hard to walk backwards and look like you're pedaling forward. It's like a really bad moonwalk. I pedal to go forwards and I end up going backwards and I'm like, yo, this bike is whack! But he gave it to me and it was the sweetest gift because it was a reforming. There were three questions that Doug asked me that night. He shared his story. Everyone asked questions. Oh, and what do you think about the war in Iraq? Or what do you think? Well, what should we do about this? Or what, what has Jesus done in this area of life? And Doug answered. And he was faithful and so loving and so humble. There were moments during the night where Doug would look at me and he would continue to teach the whole group. And I'm going to do it to one of you. He would continue to teach the whole group, you guys. And he would not break eye contact with me. Yeah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> I just realized. So he would keep teaching the group for two or three minutes. I'm not going to do it because I'm, I can't get through it. But, what's your name? Yeah. Gabe. Gabe. So Phil's Gabe. Phil, Gabe's Phil. Phil's Doug. I'm sitting over there like, yo, dude, quit looking at me weird. But at the same time where Gabe is sitting, I am going... Lord, there is something happening in me. There was this digging, this urge, this need, this fight. Like, like something was trying to get out of me, right? But I didn't know what it was. So everyone asks questions, and I'm like, yo, dude, shut your mouth. You have nothing good to say. So I'm sitting there, like, going over my notes. Have you ever just had a sermon where you're like, oh, oh, now it was money, right? And you're like, you're like highlighting and stuff. And then I feel this on my shoulder. 
I squeeze on my shirt, I look up and it's Doug, and he says, what is it that you're doing? Confronted with a question, right? What is it that you're doing? And, um, and I snap right into it. Well, hey, Doug, yeah. Uh, well, what do you mean, like with ministry currently, or with, with my marriage, or like what we're doing locally, like with kids? And, and he's like, sure, any of them. And he pulls up two chairs, and we sit for about an hour and a half. And you guys, it was the most amazing hour and a half of my life. We talked about nothing, no one, not an ounce of anything other than Jesus. It was incredible. It's like the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know if you've ever been Holy Spirit, like he's like put you in the corner. But it was like Doug went like, okay, Gabe's the guy. You get freaking ready, right? And the Holy Spirit's like, Holy Spirit's like putting boxing gloves on me, Doug. And then it was like, ding! And like Doug like goes into the corner and he like goes at Gabe, right? But it was amazing. Like he just continued to dig and prod and say things that I needed, that my soul was hurting for, that I was thirsty for, that I had no way to find on my own. And it was all in this bicycle. <laughs> right? it, was on the, it was on the backwards pedaling bike. He said things that were challenging that I won't say tonight. Um, but then it came to the time where he said, let me ask you three questions. And if you get these three questions right, I'll write you a $1,000 check right now. And I'm like, well, why should I even try? Like, I know the questions are going to be like math or something, right? <laughs> but he goes, listen, what's the message of God? What's the gospel of God to the whole world? And I say something to the effect of um, what I've been trained, right? On my, my training from Dan Phil on the bike. Uh, I say, well, like here in my story, I learned, well, it's that Jesus came to earth and he loved us because we were sinners and he died on the cross and he rose for our sins so that we can have relationship with him and build disciples and, and I'm just like talking, blah, blah, blah. I just wanted to like hear my own voice, making sure, I'm like looking at his eyes, waiting for him to go, there it is, but he never does. <laughs> You know, like, he's just like, huh? <laughs> What's the message or the gospel of God to the whole world? And he says, you don't know. I say, okay, like, what is it? And he said, the message is Jesus. It's Jesus. Only Jesus. I'm going to say his name so many times in the next 20 minutes, you guys. You're going to be like... Oh, it sounds weird, you know, like when you say a word so many times. The message is Jesus. And he says, okay, what's the purpose? Like, what's the chief aim and purpose? If you follow Jesus, what's the chief aim and purpose of your life? And I go into it again, okay? Um, that we would walk alongside people who don't know him. That we would always get to him. That we would be disciple makers that we would create small groups, that we would go out and make disciples of the whole world. And I'm like, boom, threw in some scripture, right? And um, he says, no, you don't know. And he says, this is the purpose of your entire life. Love God with everything you have. Love Jesus. Is Jesus God? There's a correct answer. Yes. Always. Okay? Always. Love Jesus with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your strength. That's the number one thing. And the second is like it. We'll get to that in a second. 
you love your neighbor as yourself. Don't get caught on that. Then he says, yo, listen. <laughs> he didn't say yo. Uh, he says, um, he says and, and here's the last question. What's the work of God? What is the work of God? Molly Kidd, what's the work of God? To run College Young Life. Phil's on, what's the work of God? To build my small groups and to do children's ministry. Gabe, what's the work of God? To read my Bible at the coffee shop and make sure I journal. Josh, what's the work of God? To date my girlfriend in a respectful and loving way, honoring God. What do we have to do? You guys, this is about to rock your freaking mind. And if it doesn't, you're not freaking listening. Okay. What is the work? Like, what are we supposed to do? What do you want me to do about it? I'm sitting in the field going, like, what do you want me to do, dude? Can I do more? Do, do. Uh, <laughs> can I possibly do anything more in my life? And he says, do you know Jesus answers that question? I'm like, no. There's a checklist, right? He's like, yeah, pretty much. Jesus says, this is the true work of God, that you believe Jesus is saying it, that you believe in the one whom he has sent, which is who? Jesus. Believing in Jesus is the work. The work is actually just to believe, not to do anything. Right? I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Uh, so we keep talking, and I go home, and he gives me this little sheet of paper, and I'll send it to someone. I'll send it to you. And you can make it available next time or email it out or something. But it's those three questions and it's those three answers. In the midst of that, after every answer, there was a bunch of scriptures. Okay? So I have to reformulate. I'm on the bike. I'm moving backwards in my training, realizing that there is nothing outside of Jesus. If this is true, you guys, the gospel is a person. It's not a story. It's not 140 pages of this book. The scriptures. You know this? Okay, we'll get into that later. Uh, the gospel is a person. God's message for the whole world is a person. Can it be discipleship groups and college young life and campus outreach and ministries and FCA and crew and all this stuff and church and young life? And, yes, absolutely. It can be that. But what's God's message for the whole world? If I'm a Christian and I cross a border into a Muslim country, is it the same gospel there? We're going to do small groups, we're going to get everyone together, and I'm going to read out of this book, not your book, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to hold you accountable, I'm going to do all blah, 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 blah. Like, it just doesn't translate, you guys. Jesus is the only thing. He's the only one. He's the only gospel. He's the only message that crosses every border in the entire world to every kind of person, to every diseased person, to every sick person, to every broken person, to every good person, to every Christian, to every Muslim, to every Hindu, to every atheist, fill in the blank, to every woman, man, boy, child. He is the gospel. Okay? Want me to prove it? You do. Okay, I don't need this. I'm going to say a lot of scriptures, and then I'll go back and recap it. Is that okay? These are the scriptures that were underneath that answer. What is the gospel, the message of God to the whole world? The message is Jesus. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus, okay? In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word is with God. Whoa. And the Word was God. It was in the beginning of God. Okay? John 1 1. Jesus was in the beginning before everything, and He is God. John 1 14. You guys know this one. Then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus left the comfort of heaven and he came here to do something about it. He was in the beginning. He is God. He came to us. John 3, 14 and 15. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, Jesus, be lifted up. Okay, we're talking about the cross. That all who believe in him might be saved. That we get eternal life only because and only through Jesus lifted up on the cross. John 5, 39 and 40. Jesus talking. He says, you search the scriptures because you think, you think that in them you have eternal life. But it's they that speak about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus is saying salvation, life, eternal life, it is not in the pages of this book. It is in me, the true gospel, Jesus. You search that some of this stuff's going to be hard. And if you don't agree with me, that's okay. I want you to have an opinion about what I'm saying. You search the scriptures diligently because you think that in these pages you have eternal life. Yet it's that book that's talking about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. John 13, nope, John 12, 32. Okay? He says, um, and I, Jesus says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he began to draw you to himself. This is not fascinating, guys. Before you were born, Jesus was saying, come to me. It's already about me. You broke open, you were like, wah, ah. Jesus was going like, come to me. Oh my gosh, come to me. I love you. I love you so much. Just come to me. John 14, 6. You know it. I am the way. Jesus is the way. I am the truth. I'm the only truth. And I'm the life. I am that life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. You're not getting there unless you go through me, the gospel. The message that penetrates every culture and every person, crosses every border and every religion and every view. He says, it's me. And then in Acts 4.12, this is the last one, it says, there is salvation. You know what salvation is? It's being saved. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no name given under heaven among men, no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Here's a recap. Jesus is the gospel. It is this simple because it all comes from this, the scriptures. Okay? Here's the recap. Jesus will be here. 
Uh, Jesus was in the beginning before everything. And Jesus is God before everything. He created everything. Then Jesus came to earth on a mission to draw us to himself. Then Jesus was lifted up on the cross that whoever believes in Jesus could have eternal life with him. Then Jesus reminds us that the life that we need, this eternal life, isn't in a book. It's in him. We teach that this is the word of God. It is, but it's not the whole word of God. This is the written. There's the spoken word of God. There's the living word of God. Jesus is saying, this is amazing, and I gave this to you as a gift. But life isn't in here. Quit looking for it here. It's in me. As a side note, if life were in this book, if this gospel is what saves the world, what's written on the pages of this book, how about the 83% of the world that can't read it? If it's in our times journaling, in our quiet times, how about the 90% of the world that doesn't know how to write in their journal? Pretty interesting. It's not all in the book. He was saying, Pharisees, you've got it, but you don't really have it. It's in me. Then he says, I came to earth. Jesus came, and Jesus was lifted up from the earth on the cross so that he could draw you to himself, so that he could begin to pull me to himself before I was even conceived in my mother's womb. Wow. My name was written on the heart and the mind of Jesus before I was even a thought. And I know that, because on the cross, he began to draw us to himself. And then he says, Jesus says, I, I'm the way. It's me. It's Jesus. Jesus is the way. He helps you find the way to him. Then he says, I, Jesus, I am the truth. He leads you to the truth, but he is that. And I'm the life. I've told you this a million times. I'm here. I'm the way, the truth, the life. I've done all of these things for you. There's no other name, Phil. There's no other name given under heaven among men by which you must be saved. Please, would you come to me that I could give you life? I've been with you so long, Philip, but you still don't know me. Jesus is the gospel. Okay? So I go through like serious, like actual spiritual withdrawals. I'm like, I don't know if I believe this. This seems crazy. My pastors didn't teach this. I don't know if I can do this. And the Lord was telling me things like, why do you think you can never keep up? Why do you think you always feel so weighed down in your faith or in your following of me? He's going, because you're living a life that I never invited you to live. You're having things that I never intended you to have. You're doing things that I never intended for you to do. It's just me, bro. 
Second question, what's the true chief aim and purpose of every one of us in this room who's a follower of Jesus? It's to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. It's Matthew 22. And he says that, and then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. Love me. Jesus is saying, love me. He comes to him and he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in all the law? If I accomplish one thing, what would you have it be? He says, love me with everything you have. Okay, woo in my life, okay? I don't know how to be loved. I don't know how to love God. God, I'm sitting in this field like, I don't know that I really feel this love. So how am I supposed to love you in return? If that's what my life, if the, oh, I your phone. Um, if that's what my life is about, is loving God, I don't know how to do it, you guys. So I asked my friend Doug, I said, Doug, how do I love God? If that's the whole purpose of this gig, I've been doing it wrong. I've been doing it wrong, dude. He says, it's in there, classic answer. I'm like, crap, bro. You're supposed to be like my Google, right? It's in there. So where do I find it? John 14. I go, I remember something about the love of God. So I go, okay, I'm going to try to love God. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, Bill, if you love me, Gabe, if you love me, Logan, if you love me, Chris, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then again, 14, 21, John 14, 21, he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So I'm like, okay, has something to do with commandments. Then I keep reading. 1 John 5, 3. This is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Have you ever felt burdened by something that you felt like you were supposed to do because you're a Christian? Have you ever felt burdened by this gospel of, oh my gosh, I have a small group eight days a week. Ugh. Eight nights a week, I'm busy, but it's all for Jesus. Is it? Okay. This is the lie, right? This is part of the lie that I believed. His commandments are not burdensome. So I go, okay, the commandments of Jesus are... I'm going to stand up here. i got to switch it up. Whoa. I thought that was sandpapery. It is not. The commandments of Jesus are really important if that's how we love him. If Jesus himself says, this is the point of your life, to love me, this is the first and greatest Jesus, right out of his mouth, love me, Right? And the way I love him is to obey his commandments. I need to know his commandments. So I go, um, where should I start? I should make a list. I wish he said, like, do this first, right? And I'm like, oh, he did. This is the first and greatest. How many of you guys, um, boys in the room, maybe some girls, how many uh, boys in the room had those racetracks when we were kids? And it'd be like, like the spinning wheels on this side, and the car would slow down and go, right? And it would like slow down over here, and you had another zoomer, right? And you're like, whoa, it's going in a circle. <laughs> right? <laughs> like batteries barely existed when we were a kid, and now they like hover like the cars. And, um, so it was like the Lord was telling me, you're in, this big, you're in this big ring, Phil. And here's what I expect. Phil's still in the box. He says, this is what I expect of you, that you love me. I'm like, ah. Uh. 
love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And I'm like, but how? And he goes, by keeping my commandments. What are those? And he's like, love me, right? (laughs) So in essence, he does this. He makes my faith so simple overnight. I'm in like sixth twisty gear on my red bike, running backwards, right? No one can keep up. All the Christians are like, whoa, dude, you're going the wrong way. Training's this way, right? And, um, and I'm like, yo, listen, like Jesus is the gospel. He's it. He's only, he's the, he is God. He's all I care about. He's all I do. And I want to love him by keeping his commandment to love him. God, I love you. I love you so much. And I prove it by keeping your commandment. And I start on the first one to love you. So he says, Phil, just love me. And keep my commandment to love me. It's all I care about. It's all I care about. If I could summarize this book, it is obey my desire for your return of love. So then I realized, man, I have just been kicking this the wrong way for a long, long time. I realized this is straight up idolatry. I've, I've believed in the wrong God because I've believed in a God. You guys have prayed this prayer if you've been a Christian for more than 18 months. Lord, I'm empty. Would you fill me up so that I can pour out, right? You've all prayed it. I've prayed it. Um, Would you fill me up? I need more of your love. Would you give me more of who you are, more of your love, more of your kindness so that I can then go and pour out on my friends? And God said, no, 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 no. Like, you're like like a half-empty cup. I get that. But I have nothing left to give you. Because if I'm believing in a God that can choose to give me more of his love, what has he been doing with his love all along? waiting, holding it, holding it back from me, not giving me everything. Jesus already gave everything on the cross, and he already started chasing me in the same place. So all of a sudden I go, oh my gosh, I'm empty, and I'm realizing you've already given me anything. It's no longer God, love me, love me, love me, give me, give me, fill me. It's Lord, I will obey your commandment to love you in return. You know, in, 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 um, oh, fudge. Matthew 8. Don't write that down. Um, Jesus stands up at this feast and he says, if any of you are thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And like the scriptures say, out of your heart will flow rivers of what? Living water. Okay? So rivers of living water. I'm going like, oh my gosh, maybe this is how I fill up my cup. And he goes, yeah, 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 come to me. And out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And then he says, man, if you believe in me, you'll be like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I start to understand that this relationship is not like this. Give me. It's God. I receive all of you, and I give back to you. I love you. And Jesus is so faithful. To receive your love. He's really, I mean, he loves it. He absolutely loves it. So then I become, in me, I just become this thing of like, God, I'm giving you everything. Like, I'm just going to love you right here in front of all these guys and in front of all these gals. 
And it's not, Lord, fill me up so I can pour out. It's, God, I give you everything, all of my love. I want to love you too much that I hide it from all these OSU students. And it will fall over them like a fountain. And it's just like, oh, sorry, I'm not getting fountain on you. And I go back there like, oh, sorry, I'm getting fountain on you. And, um, and, uh, and then you realize, like, man, like, when was the last time you saw a fountain move? You ever seen a fountain, like, get up? Like, oh, my gosh, oh, Davey's thirsty, I'm going to get water. Oh, Gina looks parched, I'm going to get her a drink, right? No, 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 a fountain does this, right? You know what a fountain does? You've seen them. It's like, <laughs> right? A fountain doesn't move, a fountain doesn't do anything. A fountain bees a fountain, okay? A fountain was created to be a fountain. Why do people come to a fountain? There's a right answer. <laughs> to get a drink for water, right? Because if you don't have water for 10 days, you what? <laughs> Die. There's life in the fountain. And the fountain doesn't have to do anything except for be a fountain. Contain in it that life. And if I unconditionally love everyone I come in contact with, if I love God first, and then I love you. Hey, I don't have to try to love you because I'm so in love with Jesus. And number two, I become this fountain welling up to eternal life. And I contain in myself this life that people are drawn to. This is what I saw in my friend Doug. This is what I pray for the rest of my life in this new work that I'm going to. We're moving to Washington, D.C. in two months. And all I want to do is be a fountain. Hmm. That's not a real clock. Shoot, son, it's 9.30. Okay. Do we have to be done? Should we be done? Yeah, we should be done. Yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, here's the last thing. Don't work to work, Okay. Listen to Jesus when he says that the work is to believe in him. Okay, I'm going to send uh, someone, I'll send Davey or Molly, the, the, the stuff that I talked about, the scriptures, the questions. And I would just super encourage you guys to look at the scriptures for yourself. Don't believe it because I said it or because my friend Doug said it. Believe it because Jesus said it. I apologize for going long. I just get really hyped about Jesus. And I like sweat and stuff. <laughs> um, but I really do love you guys. I mean, geez. Um, we're here. We're here for the next four months. If you're ever up in Portland and you want to meet, you want to hang out, you want to kick it, um, get my info. Let's kick it. Uh, you can buy me coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah, let me, let me pray, and then we'll be done. Hey, Jesus, thanks for showing up. Um, God, for those of us in the room who, um, I- I- myself included, Lord, I'm just thankful uh, for our friends here. God, for everything that you've done on this campus and that you will continue to do. But Lord, let us not try to earn anything or do anything other than fall deeply and madly in love with you. Let our response be an offering. Let us enjoy it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for having me, guys.